Type 1 diabetes affects over a million Americans and costs billions of dollars each year. Is a generic drug cure a possibility? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and doctor Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing current therapies for new uses. And my guest is Dr. Denise Faustman, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Director of the Immunobiology Laboratories at the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Dr. Faustman and I are discussing her type 1 diabetes cure research. Dr. Faustman, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you for having me. How did you first get interested in doing research into type 1 diabetes? Well, it was more from my Ph.D. training than my M.D. training. When I went to do my Ph.D. work, I wanted to work on a project that had some ability, even though it was basic science, to be eventually translated into humans. And it appeared that work in the field of type 1 diabetes might fulfill that request. So tell us the story of how your original research led to where you are in the research laboratories right now. Yes. So my PhD work was at Washington University in St. Louis. And during that time period, I joined a laboratory of Dr. Paul Lacey's. And he had made headline news by isolating rat islets from a rat pancreas. And it seemed like if you could actually isolate these insulin-secreting cells, you could rapidly transplant them into chemically induced diabetic animals. And, you know, we would be upon a cure for type 1 diabetes within years. So that's the reason I joined the lab. But as everyone listening today certainly realizes, that cure by cellular transplantation never really visualized. So we do have transplantation of islet cells in some patients and they get some benefit, but doesn't it also cause a different disease for them? Yeah, the problem that presented itself was it seemed like an easy fix take cells out from one person or take cells out from one animal that made insulin and put them into a host that did not have those cells. But it turns out that in type 1 diabetes as well as other diseases such as cardiac disease and Parkinson's disease is if the disease can reoccur, in other words, if you put a heart in and you still have high cholesterol, the next heart you put in is going to be affected by the disease. Or if you have Parkinson's disease and you put in new neurons, the new neurons are going to be affected by Parkinson's disease. And that's the same paradigm that's now played out in type 1 diabetes, that just putting new cells in and using immunosuppression is not a cure for the disease because the disease in most cases can just reoccur. So what we've been focusing on is the recurrent disease, not a bigger cell source of insulin-secreting cells. So quickly take us through what we think causes type 1 diabetes right now, because it's going to be an interesting discussion about immune therapy and immune cells. Yes. So our basic premise, as well as the premise of other people that share this hypothesis, is that type 1 diabetes is a disease of bad white blood cells, bad T cells. And furthermore, the cell that we think will have the cell to alter to have the best therapeutic impact will be a CD8 T cell because we really think the CD8 T cells are the ones that are directly killing the islet cells, whether you're in a mouse model of type 1 diabetes or you're in the human. So how are you going about killing these CD8 T cells? Well, you know, that's the 18-year project, but basically we found ways to identify these bad T cells. And once we 
identifies how those bad T cells got out of the bone marrow through an interruption of class 1 and cell peptide, we realized that subpopulations of those cells could be re-killed in the periphery by reintroducing class 1 and cell peptide, the educational complex. But that wasn't sufficient to totally eliminate the disease. The next thing that needed to be done is to kill a lineage of those cells that were sitting on top of the islets, and those were the very activated memory T cells, and those could be killed by another death pathway, the TNF death pathway. So that leads us to this two-drug cure, one for the precursor cells and one to sort of activated cells. Tell us a little bit about how you do that in the mouse model. Yeah, so if you're a really fussy end-stage diabetic mouse and you want a treatment that's a one-time treatment in your life and never have to be retreated again, you need to kill both the precursor cell as well as a highly activated memory cell. So with a brief intervention of those two limbs of uh, therapy, the animals become normal glycemic for the rest of their life. Now, the reason they become normal glycemic the rest of their life, which was the extra bonus from doing these experiments, is we found out with complete disease removal on the CD8 cells, the bad CD8 cells, the pancreas regenerated. Now, if you're a diabetic mouse and you don't mind getting retreated at intervals, for instance, once a month with a vaccine, You can just get one limb of the therapy that targets the bad CD8 cells that sit on top of the eyelids and also go into remission. But because you have the precursors, you have to come back and retreat at later time periods. But the pancreas also regenerates when we do um, the single limb of the therapy as well. And in those NOD mice, how do you kill both of those cells? Yeah, so it turns out the cells should have died in the bone marrow or thymus by class 1 with self-peptide in it. So we're a strong believer that our discovery that self-peptides were missing in the class 1 groove is a fundamental defect of how these cells got out in the first place. They should have died in the bone marrow and they should have died in the thymus. But once they're out, remarkably, you can reintroduce that complex, that educational complex, and kill them in the periphery so you can decrease the disease burden even when it's established. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with Dr. Denise Faustman, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Director of the Immunobiology Laboratories at the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston about her type 1 diabetes research. So can you use the same treatment that you give the mice in humans? Yes. So we think both limbs are feasible. One's easier to launch into the clinic than the other one. And the limb of the therapy that we're moving into the clinic first is the second limb of the therapy, the therapy that kills the highly activated T cells. So our concept of why you need to kill those cells or why those cells can die even in established disease is they need low-dose exposure to tumor necrosis factor, also known as TNF. So that limb is actually easier of therapy to translate to humans because there's a generic drug called BCG that's been out there for 80 years that has a side effect of inducing tumor necrosis factor, your own tumor necrosis factor. So how we're going to translate this to people with existing type 1 diabetes is to use repeat BCG vaccinations to elevate their own TNF, and their own TNF, we believe, can kill off this very 
cytotoxic population of T cells. So if we're right about this, what would we expect to see in the patients that go through this early clinical trial? If the outcome is similar to an end-stage diabetic NOD mouse, and let's say the trials go optimally and couldn't have gone better, the therapy would look something in the nature of repeat vaccinations throughout your life, normal blood sugars from pancreas regeneration, and hopefully no complications if you can restore blood sugars to normal. So a patient would come in and get BCG through an injection, or is it orally? It's an intradermal vaccination. So it's a true vaccination. It's not intravenous. And unfortunately, it's not oral yet. (laughs) So you would come in once a month, get a shot. Yeah, we don't know the interval. Of course, the uh, $64 million question is, do you need it once a year, once every six months, once a week? That's why we're doing the trial, but some interval. And then you would expect it would kill off the cells that are sitting right on the pancreas, and then those pancreas cells would begin to secrete insulin in response to glucose. That would be the best case scenario. And why do we think, or what evidence do we have that in the human, patients who have been diabetic for a long time would still have active beta cells? Well, you know, that's a good question that our work in animals uh, elicited a huge effort by the worldwide scientific community to go back and look at that data. I mean, the textbook picture of type 1 diabetes is a picture of an excrement pancreas with no eyelids in it. And I think people have successfully now gone back to look at that histological picture to realize that if you go back and look at autopsy specimens of people who had type 1 diabetes for 20 years, 30 years, or even 10 years, there's islets in the pancreas. So that picture that there's no islet cell left in the pancreas years after diabetes is probably not correct. So that's the histological data. And even before our work, there was data from an investigator in England named Dr. Alan Follis who had gone back and looked at all these stored pancreas specimens and had been standing up in meetings for many years saying, the pancreas has islets in. (laughs) But I think there was such skepticism because nobody had seen function or the release of function by disease modification that that data was probably ignored. So so the data is fairly strong from worldwide examinations that the pancreas, years after diabetes, has islets. But the second question that comes up is, is there human data to suggest that those islets can become functional, or is there human data to suggest those islets can secrete insulin, okay, multiply from whatever mechanism you want them to regenerate from? And there's uh, data now that that's the case, too. There's a paper by a Japanese group that had been doing kidney transplants in people with type 1 diabetes. And they went back and did needle biopsies of the pancreas of those people and found there were quite a few islets that looked like they were proliferating in those pancreases. And there's data also from NIH. We had always made the assumption that if we put islets in and the blood sugars were restored, the islets were making the insulin. But there's data from NIH that if you go back and look at those people with insulin secretion a year after an islet transplant on immunosuppressive drugs, of course, that in over 50% of the cases, insulin's coming from their own pancreas and the islet transplant's not working. So there's functional data now from diverse sources that humans have the potential to reestablish insulin secretion from their own pancreas, and there's certainly uh, lots of histology data saying those cells are there trying to proliferate but fairly unsuccessfully with high disease burdens. 
Are you doing clinical research now in using BCG in patients? We're about ready to start a phase one trial with BCG in people who already have type 1 diabetes. We've been working the last five years developing the blood tests to monitor people. Before we started these trials, we've put a huge effort that will continue into developing blood tests that will monitor directly the ability of BCG to modulate the immune system. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Denise Faustman, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Director of the Immunobiology Laboratories at Massachusetts General Hospital for talking to us about the possibility of a cure for type 1 diabetes. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at www.reachmd.com where our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.